as I told you, I hope you decided with me, that our worship would be different. Things would be a little bit um, more focused, and we would be able to see the, the Lord that we, that we worship. And then we talked about probably the first thing we would notice about Jesus was his love. The way that he loved people. He loved, he loved all. He loved the, the righteous people. He loved the, the, the sinners. He loved the unrighteous people. And he reached out to all of them and, and touched them. We talked about that a little bit. Then last week we talked about probably we would be blown away by his holiness. You know, he never sinned. He, he never erred. Everything was always perfect when, uh, when, when Jesus was around. And the thing that that would do for us is it would show us our failures. It would show us how we are less than what we ought to be. This morning I want to go just just a little bit different direction and uh, talk about what Jesus might expect of us if he were here with us. I want you to, to look. We're going to start with the first verse. Of Mark chapter 2. Mark tells us this. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. So many gathered that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralytic, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus, and after digging through it, lowered the mat the paralyzed man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up, take your mat, and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. One of the things that really strikes me about that, thinking in terms of if Jesus was here with us, is the phrase Jesus immediately knew in his spirit what they were thinking. Whoa. How would you like to be spending your time with somebody who immediately knew everything you were thinking? That's what it would be like were Jesus here. I have some pictures I want to show you. The first is a classic painting kind of dark and I know that you have seen this picture before 
there, there are other drawings of it, other uh, renditions of it, but it's been on postcards, it's been, uh, it's been in Bibles, uh, it's been on pens, it's been on decals. It's a picture of Jesus standing at a door, standing in front of a door, knocking. And it's the, the, the painter who painted it uh, it was painted in 1853. Uh, the painter who painted it wasn't painting the picture so much as he was painting the scripture. You know, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. You know, it, it's, a, it's a picture. It, it's actually the picture that we kind of get our, it's the picture, not the scripture, that we get our doctrine about Jesus coming into your heart. Okay? Uh, We think that Jesus is knocking at the door of our heart and wanting to come in to our heart and come in and live with us. And he's standing in this uh, garden and there's this closed door. It's getting dark because Jesus has a lantern and the stars, you, you can begin to see stars in, in the sky. Uh, but if you look at the door, it's covered with ivy or covered with weeds or covered with something. Anyway, there, there are plants in front of it. It makes it, gives you the idea that it hasn't been opened in a while. It's been closed. And so Jesus is standing at this door this old door, and he wants to come into this door that's closed. It hasn't been opened in a while. And the the uh, painter, his name was uh, Hunt, says that he was painting doctrine. He wasn't painting a picture. The painting itself is now in the King's College in Oxford. And it's been called the single most important contemporary portrayal of Christ in the 18th century. He painted it in 1853, I think, something like that. So, I showed you that in the scripture because I think if Jesus was here, even though that's probably not what the passage is talking about, I think he would be knocking at the door of your heart. He would be knocking at your door saying, I want to come in and be a part of your life. It's the message of the gospel, the message that God is coming to you to knock on the door of your heart. And your heart is shut. And the weeds or the ivy or the plants indicate that there's something wrong with our heart. It's closed to the things of God. And it's an understanding, the passage and the painting is an understanding of the condition of people before Christ comes into their life. The, uh, he, he's painting, I think, the picture that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That that's in that painting as well. And even though it's only a painting... The meaning is biblical. Every person, every man, woman, boy, and girl has weeds growing around our heart. Our heart is not as open to Jesus Christ and His being in our lives 
as we would like to be. All the kings in history sent people out to die for them. Only King Jesus came to die for us. Came to die for the people. And God wants to be a part of your life. So he sends Jesus to knock on the doors of our heart. And he's knocking on your door. There's something in your heart, in your life, he wants to be a part of. He wants to come into the idea that he would come in and eat with this. He would come into your life and be a part of your life. Even more a part of your life if you would just open the door and let him in. When you look at the, the whole picture and not in the dark like, like we're looking at it, you can see that the hinges are old and they, they kind of resemble rusted hinges. The weedy and the, and the rusty hinges. Because he wanted to represent the neglect that God calls us to. When Jesus comes to knock at the door, he asks you to let him in. Let him into every part of your, of your life. Years ago when I, when I was uh, in Jerusalem, I was, we were walking down a street in Jerusalem and uh, I came to a door no I didn't come to a house I came to a door and I immediately thought of this passage DK show us the the next picture I'm going to to turn that off again there was just a door there's no house there's nothing at a door and here's not, this isn't Jesus, that's me. You know, I'm, and, and, I, and I'm, because I thought of that passage, I was knocking on the door and had my friend uh, take a picture of me knocking on the door. Uh, and, and I just thought, you know, it's not the same picture, but imagine that behind that door is a neglected life so that the building is gone were Jesus and they were knocking on the door and you open the door and let Jesus in he would rebuild the structure he would rebuild the building he would rebuild the life he would make it what it intended to be now let me show you one more door one more door DK one more one more picture do you remember those doors The, uh, these doors are, are in the Roman forum in Rome. And the interesting thing about them is you don't see any handles on it. There's no knobs. There's nothing. It's, it's just a door there. And there's a sign down here that says that those doors were put on those hinges in 400 in 400 B.C. That's 2,400 years ago. 2,400 years ago, those doors were hung there and they're still on the same hinges. You know, I've got hinges on my gate and my gate keeps dragging the ground. And I keep lifting it up and it drags the ground. I can't imagine them 2,400 years ago put those doors on a hinge and they haven't changed them. They have opened them and shut them, but you have to do it from the inside. 
And, and when, I, when I looked at that, I was just thinking, if Jesus were here, they would open those doors from 2,400 years ago. And if the doors were built yesterday, they would open the doors. It's for everybody, everywhere, all of us, to open our hearts to Jesus Christ. And if Jesus were to come and walk with us in this world, I think he would come first right to the door of our hearts and say, are you going to let me in? Are you going to let me be a part of your life? Are you going to let me be a part of the things that you do in everything that you do? You know, it's a, it's a simple picture. Let Jesus into your heart. Let Jesus into your heart. DK, you can turn that off. I'm not going to show you any more doors. I've shown you all my doors. But if you go back to the context of the passage that we read in Revelation, it's really not the door of a person's heart that Jesus is knocking on. It's the door of a church. It's the church at Laodicea. And for those of you who remember the story of the seven churches, of the letters that John has written to the seven churches, the church at Laodicea is the lukewarm church. And he says, because you are lukewarm, neither heart nor cold, I would vomit you out of my mouth, he says to the church. And then he says to that church, behold, I stand at your door and knock. And if you will open the door, I'll come in and be a part of your church. I'll, be coming, I'll come in and we'll, we'll fellowship with one another and we'll be with one another. And if, if you look at that first picture and you see how Jesus is dressed, he has a crown on his head. He has a kingly robe on. He's dressed like a king. But you know, when Jesus was on earth, he never dressed like a king. He dressed like a, a common carpenter. Just like a, a common member of, the, of the, the people. He was a poor carpenter. But here, in that picture, he's standing at the door as a king. And of course, he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And I think if Jesus came back to stand with us, when Jesus comes back, and if he were to come and live with us and be with us, he would come as king of kings. And if he were standing at the door of our church and he wanted to come into our church, I think that he would be saying to us, I want to come into your church and I want to take an active part and I want you to be active in doing the things that my church should be doing. I don't think it's an exaggeration to say Jesus would come into the church and say, hey, there's some things we need to be doing. Some things that we need to be in, involved with. There's some ministry that we ought to be about as a church. And I think he, he would reference all of us and say, there aren't any exceptions. I'm going to come into the church and every one of you has the ability to serve to serve one another, to be involved in ministry. And I would expect all of you to be a part of my body, which is the church. 
And I think if King Jesus were here, we would want to. We would want to serve him faithfully. There, there's no doubt in my mind about that, that if he was here, we would be absolutely jealous of our opportunity to serve him and to be a part of what he was doing. And we certainly wouldn't want anybody else to do our part and get our time with Jesus. Um, do you remember the parable that Jesus told? Of course you don't. I'm going to tell you, though. In Matthew chapter 25, he said, referring to himself, I tell you the truth. Whoever, whatever you did for one of these, the least of my brothers, you did for me. In other words, we can serve Jesus. We serve Jesus by serving one another and serving those around us. So if, if you follow my, my thinking here, King Jesus is knocking at the door of our church. Would somebody go open the door and let him in? And when we let him in and get the door open, Jesus would come in and sit with us and meet with us. And I believe we would fall all over ourselves to serve him. And he says, don't be so concerned with serving me. If you serve anybody, it's as if you're serving me. Wow. I think if Jesus was here, that's the kind of effect it would have on us. But then there's, there's one more thing that I, that I think about when I think about Jesus being with us and the doors. And that's the passage I read in Mark where they couldn't get in the door. They wanted to get in to see Jesus, but they couldn't get in the door. There were too many people in the door, in the, uh, surrounding the door, in the room. And so they, they couldn't get their friend in to see Jesus. Back when I was a kid, and I was a kid one time. It's getting further and further in the past, and I'm forgetting more and more of it. But we, in, in the block where I lived when I was a, a little kid, there are a lot of kids my age that, uh, that, that live there. And I can remember on, on summer evenings when the sun went down and it began to get dark, we would all meet at a, somebody's yard. I don't know how we decided which yard to meet at. But we'd meet there and play a game called hide-and-seek. You know, you all know hide-and-seek. Uh, there weren't any video games. and you know, There were only three channels on TV, and they were for adults. So we went outside, and we played outside. And uh, you remember the game? Everybody remembers hide-and-seek, right? One person's it, and everybody else and goes hides. Well, there's a, there's, there's a um, rendition of that game called Kick the Can. And, and in that game, you, you hide until you're closer to the can than the guy who's searching. And then you run, and if you kick the can before he kicks the can, you're safe. But if he gets back there before you get back there and he sees you, then you've got to be it next time. And so it would count to 100 and then open their eyes and turn around and shout, ready or not, here I come. And then you would wait until you could make it to the tin can sitting in the, in the yard. And you say, what in the world does that have to do with what we're talking about? Well, I think 
Jesus knocking on the door of our hearts is not so much asking us to let him in. He's asking us to come out and play. To come out and be a part of his game. Come out and be a part of what he is doing. It, it is precisely, precisely in this context that Jesus doesn't come into our hearts to hang around and be an eternal house guest. Do you understand what I'm saying? He wants to come into our hearts and lead us out into the world to reach people and to reach the world with his gospel. He's, Jesus is knocking on our door to invite us to be a part of his mission, to be a part of his ministry, to be a part of what he's doing in our world. And, and that brings us to the paralytic and that door. These friends who were unable to get their friends in to see Dr. Jesus because the crowds had blocked the door were able to think outside the box or in this case outside the house to find an unconventional, unorthodox and somewhat destructive way to accomplish the constructive will of God. They hauled their friends up the outside stairs, hitched up their uh, kilts, punched a hole through the roof, no doubt dropping chunks of adobe down on the heads of those that are already there. They would begin to look up and say, hey, what, what's going on? And then to let Jesus down, let the guy down on the mat to Jesus sitting there on the floor. You know, that's a lot of trouble to go to to get somebody to Jesus. Wouldn't you agree? I think that's what Jesus invites us to do. Go to a lot of trouble to get people to Jesus. To get people to understand Jesus. These nameless pals, we don't know any of them's name. They've been immortalized. Not for 15 minutes of fame, but for 20 centuries of honor. Little boys and girls in Sunday school and people in churches have looked back at, at those friends and thought, those friends went out of their way to bring a person to Christ. Changed his life. And made everybody who was there that day say, we've never seen anything like this before. Because they hadn't. Jesus healed a man. And he walked in a new life. If Jesus was here with us, he would knock on our doors. He would knock on the door of our heart. He would knock on the door of our church. He would say, I want to come in. And he would say, I want you to come out. I want you to come out of your church. And go into the world. And reach people for Jesus Christ. question for you. Does anybody know who Gavrilo Princip was? Anybody? That's not fair to me, is it? Just to reach back in history and draw some name that you've never heard of and say, do you know who he was? You don't know his name, but you know what he did. And you may not know what he did, but you know what he caused and what it happened. You see, he may be 
the person more than any other individual who played a starring role in the whole history of the 20th century. He's the man who triggered the whole mess that we know as the the 20th century. He singularly fired up a shooting match costing millions and millions of lives. His one action in a split second of time altered the course of the 20th century. He was a 19-year-old Serbian student who in 1914 assassinated Archduke Francis Ferdinand in Sarajevo. And you know what happened? It ignited World War I. That was the flashpoint that started World War I. And the chaos that followed allowed Lenin and Stalin to bring communism to Russia. That's when the Bolsheviks took over, was in the, the confusion of World War I. And the end of World War I resulted in the Treaty of Versailles, which further plunged Germany into an economic depression and deeply embittered an Austrian corporal named Adolf Hitler, who then started World War II, and all the horrors of World War II that divided Eastern Europe into Eastern Europe and Western Europe, the Atomic Age, the Cold War, the bombing of Hiroshima and Nagasaki, all of those things which, which, the, which happened happened indirectly as a result of one Gavrilo Princip. Even today, we're still suffering some of the things that have resulted from what he caused. So let me ask you this. Princip indeed changed his world. The world changed immediately after he pulled that trigger. But you don't regard him as a hero. You don't look at him as somebody to be followed and duplicated. And I read a story to start out of Mark about four buddies who changed their friend by taking them to Jesus. Most of us won't ever be able to change our world like Princip did but we can change the lives of people we know by introducing them to Jesus and bringing them to Jesus and we can change our world by reaching out to people in Jesus name and I think if Jesus was here that that would be one of the things he would be calling us to do I um, I titled this message Christian Hide and Seek. We're hiding from what Jesus wants us to do. And he's knocking at our door and saying, Hey, hey, you guys come out. It's time to play. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for teaching us. 
Thank you for drawing us to you. Father, we thank you for giving us a glimpse into King Jesus and how we can help others by, by just blessing them in Jesus' name, sharing with them the gospel, sharing with them that Jesus is knocking at the door of their heart and he wants to come in. Father, help us. Help us, Lord, to be your servants, your disciples in this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.